is Ruth. And this is Mike. I am pretending to be French tonight. <laughs> and today we are going to be discussing Saturday Night Live and their firing of a comedian named Shane Gillis for his past with off-color jokes. You know, I think we are uniquely situated to talk about Saturday Night Live because of we our boomerhood. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were there at the beginning. We were there and we were in college when we were probably at our intellectual height. <laughs> and it started and it was such a sensation and it was so subversive when it began yeah. in a very positive way. It was really kind of an underground thing that changed comedy. Yes. A, um, oh. Anyway, we will also be discussing homelessness in Los Angeles uh. and the Brent Kavanaugh kerfuffle, although kerfuffle is not really a weighty enough word for it, mm. but there you have it. So, Saturday Night Live. They just fired a comedian. They had hired three. One was a woman whose name isn't mentioned in the New York Times article, but Bowen Yang is the first Chinese-American ever. First Chinese-American ever on SNL. Right. After 40-some-odd years. Shane Gillis was announced two days ago, and there were some podcasts that surfaced that had him referring to Chinese people and mocked a caricature accent of a Chinese person speaking English. Which sort of harkens back to Kevin Hart, who desperately wanted to do the Oscars, but because he had done some anti-gay jokes in the past, it came up that he was going to have to apologize and he just refused because he said, I'm not the same person as I was then. Um, I'm sorry, I, I said he refused to apologize. I believe he did apologize, but that his apology was considered inadequate. In any case... You know, I only listened to this story as it passed by on the radio this yeah. week. But I think, I seem to recall someone saying about uh, this guy in this current situation that his apology was worded as, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Yes. Or if it offended anyone. And that offended people. <laughs> I'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything go. I've said. Yeah. Yes. And that was considered a non-apology apology. Mm-hmm. So given that, I'm just mm-hmm. wondering if, my lord, I can think of one terrible joke that I used to tell that if I if it had been recorded and was played again people I know would be absolutely mortified and it's something that I heard when I was in college and repeated when I was in college but if that was brought back to haunt me one could say that I was that I was a racist but you're owning it and you're owning it as your past experience and I think there's a difference there but yes. I also think it's really important when comedy's concerned I think there has to be a tolerance for offensiveness or else you kill the fruit on the vine. Well, okay, so there's a question about rape jokes. I don't see the humor in rape myself, but there was a whole big sort of dust up when Josh 2.0 did a rape joke and someone was offended by it Mm -hmm. and he refused to acknowledge that it was offensive. So, yes, if he had said, you're right, I see it now, I'm humbled by what you're telling me, that would be one thing. But to me, a rape joke is, by its definition, offensive. Mm -hmm. And so then you get into this area where people say, well, then you have to be politically correct all the time. Is that the case? I'm just sort of opening it up. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Well, I think a comic should have the freedom to have bad material and to have offensive material and let the market decide. And at the same time, I think audiences have a right too to voice their offense, to right. voice their objections. You know, I don't know. It's t- it, there's so many factors at play when it's SNL because it's all corporations. 
It's huge advertisers. That's what we're talking yeah, about. That's true. So we're really talking about what will sell more Wheaties or cereal or yes. whatever they're and that's selling. The case progressive with the insurance as well, because yeah. they're large film so companies and networks. Yeah, involved. I have to be careful. I don't let myself be fooled into thinking it's about morality because it yeah. isn't. It's about commodities. But what about someone who is a stand-up comic? Say, mm-hmm. like remember Andrew Dice Clay? He used to take a lot of flack because he said stuff that was very sexist. But he could get and away also with that homophobic. now. He yeah. could not get away with it now. That's right. the difference is that times have changed. Mm-hmm. And do we look at a performer's or an artist's past work and say that was acceptable in its time, but times have changed and have you, artist, changed yeah. along with the times? Right. Is that is that where the apologies come in? Right. You know, as we discuss it right now, what I'm thinking is that I feel very good about the public hearing these things, having a strong voice and being able to say this is not acceptable to us. But if it's coming from a corporate boardroom, I don't know. Is that an accurate reflection? Are they sensitive to what the so-called people are thinking, even though they're concerned about selling their product? You know what I'm saying? Is there a connection between the two? Well, what I'm curious about, and it's not mentioned here, is whether there was some flack that came back and that's what created the need for them to fire this person or did they realize it in the sanctity of the corporate boardroom oh this guy has some bad play in his history should we immediately can him or was there some sort of blowback to the right well that's another aspect then uh, and it's what you referred to when we started the conversation is if this is past material that he doesn't even do anymore right. then that that's another issue I think in addition yeah then you're talking about the evolution of a person's yeah art it's complicated it's yeah. much more complicated than I thought yeah. I actually I thought that Kevin Hart should do the Oscars and he I think after everything had died down was just not interested anymore he right. just believed that it had become too much of a thing and that that was going to overshadow mm-hmm. whatever he brought to it mm-hmm so I could see his point with that. I thought he should have done it anyway. There are too few black performers who ever appear as MCs on right. the Oscars. So I was disappointed that he didn't go through with it. Right. But in any case, probably we'll be discussing this more in the future. On to homelessness in Los Angeles. I'm going to just give my overview of how I became aware of what the crisis was. One day when I was riding my bike to go downtown to something that's a, a kind of a, a big movement having to do with reclaiming the L.A. River and oh, creating right. public spaces for yep. it, creating something like a high line yep. in 52 miles. Right. And so I was on my way down to the 4th Street Bridge, which was where everything was happening, mm-hmm. and I happened to pass by Skid Row. Mm-hmm. It right. was midday. I hadn't seen Skid Row in forever. It's something. Mm-hmm. It's really something. I was, My mind was blown. Yeah. Because it's, it's you think of it as jarring. Skid Row. Yeah. It's 57,000 people. Well, they're not all there. They're un- under underpasses. They're right. on streets. Drove through Skid Row last Christmas Eve. Boy, it was intense. And it was Christmas Eve and people were coming out, you know, and kind of like knocking on our, the windows of my car. Oh, so you weren't there for Christmas Eve. You were just No, I was driving through. We'd been to the music center to see a concert. And then we were going to this Chinese restaurant that happened to be down in the, really in the bowels of downtown. Oh. And um, it was just so real. Yeah. Uh, so undeniably yeah. yes. real and, and stark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm an upper middle class white guy going through 
an area of blight and experiencing it and being shocked by it. Yeah. Well, you know, for a long time, it was confined to areas like Skid Row. Mm -hmm. And then Reagan opened up the, the mental, the mental institutions. institutions. And that's how we got the kind of homeless population yeah. that we have now. The entire homeless population in Los Angeles is 57,000, which is the largest in the country and certainly is the largest in the industrialized world. The issue is these are mostly people of color. There mm -hmm. are very few people who are not of color who mm -hmm. are homeless. Proportionately, there are a large number out of 57,000 who are non-Hispanic white, but the majority are Hispanic right. and black. Right. And I took photographs of what I saw. And on the anniversary of Katrina, I put them on my Facebook page and said, these are not photographs of Katrina. This is what's going on in downtown Los Angeles today. today. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've participated in a number of homeless discussions, and I've been witness to certain people who are creating homeless housing. There was a $4 million development in a parking lot next to the YMCA where I go mm -hmm. three times a week. What they got was 45 beds, and it's going to be torn down after five years. So this is one of those, almost a pop-up, you could say. Mm -hmm. It took three months to build it, even right. so. And 45 people will be there for five years. And I believe that the goal is to get them into permanent housing in five years. Okay, so it's and like a halfway them, house. Yes, and to give them wraparound services, which mm -hmm. are very expensive. Right, right. And to sort of shore up each individual person right, right. and find them them a way to live independently. Self-sufficiency. Yes. Now, so-called. That's 45 people. And the irony is that outside of that structure, which takes up an entire parking lot, there are people in Hollywood around the Hollywood Wilshire YMCA where I go who are camped out and homeless in their tents. Mm -hmm. And there are far more than 45 people who are camped out in that neighborhood. So when I saw that Trump was coming to visit and you got caught in his... Oh, yes. He's here traffic. right now as we speak. He's here right now in Benedict Canyon. He said that the homeless were going to be swept up. And Gavin Newsom said, what does that mean even? Mm -hmm. And my idea was that they were going to have one of those construction-like land movers, oh. you know? And they were just going to sweep up these people and throw them in the back and drive them off a cliff somewhere. Yeah. But... If Trump could do something, I would welcome it. Even the person who is the head of the Midnight Mission, which is a, an institution downtown, mm -hmm. feeding and caring for the homeless, right. he said, I don't care where the help comes from. Any attention we get is positive. So I, I look at the opportunity that Trump will have and realize that nothing will come of it as nothing comes of anything that he shows an interest in mm -hmm. because it's fleeting, but that it may draw attention to the problem. Not that any of us living here really need our attention drawn to it because we're confronted with it every day. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but... I feel hopeless around it. It just seems so unaddressable and unfixable. So it's easy to just fall into uh, a feeling of powerlessness about it. I don't know. Well, I have to admit, too, I'm not very educated on the subject. I don't know really what the state of things is in L.A., I, but as far as what we do about it, I know nothing. I feel like I'm pretty ignorant on the whole yeah, topic. Yeah. I'm, I'm more kind of head in the sand. Well, there's that parable about the boy who sees the starfish have washed up on the shore mm -hmm. and starts throwing them back in. 
Oh, yeah. And someone says, you're not really doing much good because you can't throw them all back in. Oh, right. And you're not making much of a difference. Yeah. And he says, well, I am to this starfish. Oh, yeah. And this starfish. There you go. And that's kind of the way that I look at homelessness now uh -huh. is there are a multitude of approaches and some solutions. Right. And those are small. Yeah. And I don't believe that there is a panacea. I no longer believe that those 57,000 people, that there's any way to get them or even the larger portion of them off the streets. Mm -hmm. I think the best we can do is keep it from growing. So I've looked at a lot of different parts of it and my overall perspective is that every piece makes a difference and every life saved is a life saved. Right. The starfish. I like that. Yeah. So I'm going to continue in investing my time and energy into trying to help out whoever I can help out. Right. What should we do? Should we give ourselves a challenge for next week to do a small thing that it raises our awareness of what's going on around homelessness? And okay. then we can come back and discuss what we found out. That's a good idea. Okay. Okay. Just look into it at least and learn something. Okay. I, I feel like I know we, a lot, but I could know more. You know much more than I. I haven't really looked at it. But yeah, maybe we could have a starfish challenge. Not a challenge. That sounds too competitive. But a starfish project. Uh, no, a challenge is project. good. It's not a like we're competing with each a other. A starfish challenge. Our we'll, own challenge. We'll find a starfish this this week. And, yes. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a homeless person. It could be learning something. Yes. So we are going to discuss the issues around Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, right. And you've probably been hearing about this because it's been all around the news. On Sunday, there was an op-ed in the Sunday Review of the New York Times, and the title was something like, uh, it had to do with Ramirez, and she thought she fit in, but she didn't. I'm, I'm That's really right. doing the title right. justice, but it was something about that, which actually had very It was about the class difference between Deborah Ramirez, Ramirez when she was at Yale, yes. and Brett Kavanaugh as, as a privileged white preppy boy. Very much so. You know. And the article was an excerpt from the book, The Education of Brent Kavanaugh, an investigation by the reporters Robin Pogrebin and Kate Kelly. There we go. What this did was it basically examined Ramirez's, Debbie Ramirez's experience. And what the experience did, it wasn't just that Brett Kavanaugh pulled down his pants, took out his penis, and waved it at her, forcing her to, I believe the the expression that was used was he waved it in her face, forcing her to, to touch it. Away. it. Yes, mm -hmm. to touch it. She was a virgin. She was from a very protected Catholic family. She believed that she would not have sex before she married. Mm-hmm. She'd never had alcohol before. This was her mm. first experience with alcohol. And this was something where she felt she was really the target of, of their feelings about her being lower class and not part of the Yale group. Mm -hmm. She learned when she was there that being a cheerleader, which she was, she thought that she could use this as an entree to the rest of the social world, that that was not really considered anything to be bragging about. This was just undergraduate yes, Yale, right? It wasn't exactly. law school yet or anything like that. No, no. They would have been 18 or 19 right. at the time. If he was a freshman, I think they mentioned. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. So because it was, because this excerpt was printed, it created just a shit storm of interest and reactions from the Democratic candidates for president. Certainly Kamala Harris mm -hmm. was front and center on this. Right. And... Everybody, but everybody seems to be talking about what it means that Brett Kavanaugh had such untoward behavior as a young man. 
I mean, it's interesting that we talked about untoward behavior as a comic, as a younger comic. Oh, yeah. And how that might affect someone's later career. And what you said is very interesting because... I think it's right. Apology, acknowledgement needs to be put out there in order for one to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I had heard that Brent Kavanaugh, we heard this during the time of his confirmation, that he had hired more female clerks than anybody else, that he coached his daughter's basketball team, that he was very pro-woman. And yet when confronted with these behaviors, he's gone on the defensive. And you were saying last night, watching his performance, during the confirmation hearings was horrifying. Well, it was so weird. And I remember watching, I was at work when that happened. Okay. um, A year ago, I guess now. And he was so out of control. He was losing it. And he was treating everyone there with such contempt and such insolence and, and just such raw privilege resentment yeah he was there's no other way to describe him he's an entitled prick yeah that's what he is and he comes from a culture of that and the whole frat boy culture what gets me is that behavior that i i thought well he's over he's toast they can't possibly put him on the court now no it worked to his advantage for the target audience he was working to touch and reach and and then when lizzie graham came in later and threw his own little hissy fit on top of it It was calculated to gain the support and approval of some people. Of the president. The president had said that his performance prior to that was weak. And he wanted him to see, he wanted to see Brett Kavanaugh fight. And Brett Kavanaugh's way of fighting was to be a privileged little prick. Yeah. And when they re-ran it last night, it was more extreme than I remembered from the first time I'd seen it. Me too. I was And I just, I couldn't believe someone like that goes on to the Supreme Court. Yes. So I'm clutching my pearls. But it worked. And you know what's so amazing? If you juxtapose Clarence Thomas, who was a black man, and what he said was, this is an electronic lynching. High-tech lynching. High-tech lynching, Mm -hmm. exactly. And you put Brett Kavanaugh's performance against that. What Brett Kavanaugh did was, I think, a step farther in the realm of sexual assault. I don't believe that Anita Hill accused Clarence Thomas of sexual assault. It right. was sexual harassment. Yeah, harassment and Goodbye. aggressive creepiness. Aggre- <laughs> yeah. And male entitled creepiness. Yeah. What Brett Kavanaugh did to Christina Blasey Ford was he threw her on a bed, closed the door, turned up the music, put his hand over her mouth. Mm-hmm. She thought he was going to kill her. Right. So that is another level of assault than what Clarence Thomas was accused accused of. Right. But Brett Kavanaugh's outrage was even more than Clarence Thomas's was. Oh yeah. I mean, he was he was beyond the pale. Well, it's different time partly, but also he's a white wasp. Yeah. So he can get angry. Yeah. I think in this country still, I don't want to be in a position to defend Clarence Thomas because I find him reprehensible, but he couldn't have possibly expressed overt rage because or anger an angry black because man. that would have freaked people out because no one can can handle a, an angry mm-hmm. black man yeah that's right and that hamstrung obama as well and he knew that that's right and we all many of us got frustrated with obama being so measured yes that we wished sometimes that he would blow his top yeah it's true you know the other thing about kavanaugh too is though that they've shown he totally perjured himself by saying the deborah Absolutely. ramirez thing he didn't even have the nerve to say it did not happen he said 
No, there are no witnesses to that. Yes, exactly. There's like, what was it, 25? 25. There were 25 that they wanted to get, to get to, yes, through interviewed, the and the FBI wouldn't do it. Yes. And then these reporters went and interviewed seven of them, I think, and has the, That's right. the testimony of these seven. Yes. So it's coming out. And I guess the best we can hope for is that it's going to become very public. He will never, unless some other big, so far unseen revelation comes, he will never be impeached. The best we can hope for is that he'll be at least delegitimized in the court of public opinion. But that won't help much in terms of the decisions that they've passed. No, that's true. But he has been much more, I mean, more than Neil Gorsuch. His decisions have at times been more measured Mm -hmm. and less radically right, more thoughtful. He did one decision, I think, with either Elena Kagan or Sonia Sotomayor and worked with them on a decision. I wish I could remember which one it was, but I was surprised that he had worked with one of the women in the court and they're so liberal right for one of them to actually work with him to me was remarkable you had to i was gonna say you have to laugh but maybe it's too tragic to laugh at when when he was being questioned and he was throwing his fit and his wife was sitting behind him oh my god and she was supposed to be there obviously as a prop she looked so miserable and yes. so done with it. Yes. So my fantasy is that she's the cool one and she's the liberal. She's feeding him the And she said, you put me line. through that crap in front of national television. <laughs> I am going to tell you how to vote on these cases. Yeah, really. And that's that. So she, maybe she's calling some of the shots. Maybe so. You know, Frangelo said, well, she's seen that behavior before. Right. That's nothing new for her. She's seen him flip his lid. That's right. Yeah. He likes beer so much. What was that? I like beer. I still like beer. You know, and I think he did seem intoxicated in that thing. Oh. He seemed in an altered state. I think he was kind of, I think he was loaded. I don't know that I think he was loaded. I think he was loaded up on... Maybe just high on the self-righteousness. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that could be. And we'll see what happens. I don't think he can be impeached. I mean, Jerry Nadler has basically said we're too busy impeaching the president. Right. We right. don't have room for it. But much more will done. come out. Over time, much more will come out. Yeah. There's something that's going to come out that has to do with Anthony. Anthony Kennedy's reason for drop, stepping down yes. when he did, and his son being a trader at Deutsche at Bank, Deutsche Bank yes. who made loans apparently to Trump. To yes, to Trump and to Jared. Right. Yeah. So more will come out. Will it change the outcome of Supreme Court decisions? Probably not. Probably not. But at least we'll have some perspective. Yes. And but we'll find out more. Okay. It's just going to take a while. Well, like the Israeli current Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu. Yahoo, Benjamin Netanyahu, who is... No margaritas for you tonight. I'm sorry. I'm drinking alone tonight. (laughs) Who is looking like he is in a dead heat with Benny Gantz of the Blue and White Party. Is that the one that they say is a racist party? No. Oh. No, that's the one that's more of the Labor Party. Because I did hear on the radio today they interviewed a Likud member who's on the Knesset. You say Knesset? Well, he's part of the... Netanyahu is part of the Likud Party. Right. And this woman was Likud. And... Uh, the reporter was saying that Netanyahu had indicated that he might be willing to form what do they call it in a in a parliament a coalition uh, yeah a coalition that included this very extreme right wing party oh. that's uh, considered extremely racist and she was like oh, well that's not our decision if the people vote for that party then yes they'll be in yes, the coalition yes that's true that's but, true um, no 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 Benny Gantz is from uh, rather he's from the good side yes yeah, he is love him yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Netanyahu is in danger of being indicted if he doesn't win. Oh, right. And we will see if A precursor is, of yes. what will happen here. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah, that'd be like, you know, sweet revenge. But I just got I just got to see him out. Yeah. But like we said in other weeks, too, I also can't let it eat up my life for the next year. No. Next we, 14 we months. Have to, we have to have perspective on it. Yeah. And we're going to do our starfish project this week. Yes, we are. And that will help as an antidote to the resentment we might otherwise fall into. Yes. Good one. (laughs) Well. I try to be Pollyanna. (laughs) I'm really Scrooge at heart. (laughs) That is going to do it for us, boomers. Thank you for following up with us and listening to our little rants and whatnot. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.